Soulmates, we have made it back to yet another Monday. We've done it. Yeah, hope the weekend was good. We're going to discuss uh, plenty today. We're following up on the latest in the Jay Morant scandal and uh, as he is losing all of these endorsements. We'll also check in on the future of affirmation, uh, affirmative rather action, uh, what it looks like in our country. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicordelide Corte, plus the latest accusations from Colin Kaepernick and the long-awaited tribute to Harriet Tubman. They're the stories that impact our people. It's our news, our views, and uh, voice topping our conversation today. The body of Erica Atkins, a Georgia bookstore owner, was found in a creek after she was reported missing by her family. Officers say she was discovered just miles away from her bookstore, and the prime suspect is her boyfriend. Reading can take you places. Erica's always been very well educated. And that's why family says 40-year-old Erica Atkins was so passionate about literacy. She owned the Birdsong Bird Store on Peaksville Road, and it is now her legacy and still open despite recent news of her death. Locust Grove police had already started searching for Atkins since she was reported missing March 5th. Police immediately identified Romero Johnson as a suspect in connection to her disappearance and put out warrants for his arrest. Tuesday, her youngest child's father stopped by the bookstore to pay his respects. He gave insight on how Johnson and Atkinson knew each other. Are you comfortable telling me what you know about that? Uh, yes, I, I've met him on several occasions. They were dating at one time, and uh, from my understanding, um, she had broke it off with him. And uh, maybe this is the result, I don't know. Putnam County deputies found a body the same day Atkins was reported missing. They found her near Highway 129 in Cedar Creek. Locust Grove Police sent us a picture of her. Uh, we were able to, I was able to instantly identify her. And from talking to them, uh, we determined that the her death occurred in Henry County, not Putnam. This was a case of her body just simply being dumped here, you know. Something so senseless, and I think that's on everybody's mind. Why? Deputies say they used to flock cameras to track Johnson down. As family steps up to keep an eye on what she left behind, a booming business and two children. Just horrible, just yeah. absolutely horrible. According to the police report, uh, Johnson, quotes willfully and knowingly abducted his girlfriend, uh, dragged her in a body-sized sheet, uh, and as mentioned in the in the video, um, he's on video doing this. And so this seems like a pretty open and shut case, um, at least we can hope. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is just a reminder of the violence against women. Yes. Uh, and, you know, black women and girls that come up missing, they're mm -hmm. abducted, you know, so mm -hmm. often. And oftentimes it's somebody that knows them, right? Mm -hmm. And to think that, you know, just because she might have been trying to break off a relationship, yeah. uh, that this guy snapped uh, and uh, and took her life, allegedly. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, this is the kind of thing that is happening uh, far too often in our communities across the country. And I often ask myself, because we're, we're hearing more and more cases uh, of, of this type of domestic violence that's resulting in, in unfortunate uh, murders such as this. You know, what, what, by wanting to break up and wanting to move out of a relationship, what, what is that triggering for uh, that partner? You know, and so you're, you're questioning that mental status, maybe from day one, those red flags that maybe weren't seen. And of course, you know, the victim is, is not at fault here by, by any means. But what is going on with these partners to where they snap to take away the lives, uh, you know, of, of lots of times uh, the, the parent of their children or child? Yeah. It's just so disturbing. It is very mm -hmm. disturbing. Uh, now on to Maryland, where a daycare owner accused of shooting her husband in a D.C. hotel room 
says she will not apologize and says she snapped when she learned what her husband had done. 48-year-old Shatiri Weems pleaded guilty to carrying a pistol outside of a home or business and to an aggravated assault charge. Weems says she shot her husband in July after confronting him about allegations he sexually abused children at the daycare. James Weems is facing several charges stemming from those allegations. Yeah, she is not backing down uh, from her actions at all. Of course, we don't, you know, condone, you know, that type of violence or that type of reaction. Um, but she's actually garnered a lot of support. She's starting to speak now. You're seeing her in, in interviews. And I think people um, are just uh, accepting of uh, the fact that she, they, could, they can identify with her being betrayed by her husband. Mm -hmm. This was their family business. This was her passion, uh, taking care of young kids, this nursery school, her life's work. And for him to, to, to violate it in such ways, um, again, not condoning what she chose to do, but a lot of people are identifying with that betrayal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I can totally see that. Mm -hmm. And really just wish she would have handled it in a different a way and would have allowed this to play out, yeah. you know, in a court of law mm -hmm. and, and allow for that due process to, to allow happen. for other uh, tidbits of information to come out yeah. uh, in this case. But, um, uh, a betrayal at that level, you know, uh, uh, and I don't agree with it, mm -hmm. but I think we can understand um, why she might have snapped in exactly. that moment. Exactly. All right, moving on here. Three men serving prison sentences for the 2020 murder of Ahmad Arbery are asking an appeals court to throw out their federal hate crime convictions. Two of them argue that their history of making racist comments doesn't prove they targeted Arbery because of his race. Now, the U.S. Justice Department has 30 days to file legal briefs in response. So far, the 11th Circuit uh, Court has not set a date to hear oral arguments in this case. I mean, this, Good luck it, with this is crazy. This is crazy. So, you know, just because they've made racist remarks in the mm -hmm. past, right, mm -hmm. they don't think that that should play a role or should be a factor. Or considered. Uh, considered uh, in the Arbery case. I mean, that was a part of what motivated them mm -hmm. to kill him. Mm -hmm. They didn't kill him just because he was just an ordinary person mm -hmm. running down the street that had done anything wrong. That's right. They didn't kill him because they felt like their life was being threatened. They killed him because they believed that his life didn't have value. Mm -hmm. It didn't have value because he was black. That's right. And and all of the rhetoric and all of the information that continued to come out as that case played out. And for you to think that this would work um, is absolutely asinine. You need to take your punishment and uh, do your time and, and allow this family to continue that lifelong healing process. It just adds insult to injury. It's just really, it's, it's really deplorable. It's an sense. assault. It's, it it's is. An, it's an insult to our intelligence it is. It and is. it's an insult to humanity what they're mm -hmm. trying to do. Mm -hmm. Well, a Mississippi man who burned a cross in his front yard to intimidate his black neighbors was sentenced to only 42 months in prison. 24-year-old Axel Cox pleaded guilty to a federal hate crime back in December. Cox was charged with violating the Fair Housing Act over a December 2020 incident in which he put together a wooden cross in his front yard and propped it up so his black neighbors could see it. He then doused it with motor oil and lit it on fire. Only 42 months. 
with, you mean, clearly a, a hate crime, clearly uh, racially uh, motivated, clearly. Um, I, you know, I'm not too sure about why only the 42 months or if, if that is really what, you know, the extent of the law kind of allows for this particular uh, situation. But, you know, you're talking about a mindset here. He might be punished for this act, but after 42 months, he'll, he'll get out. And who's to say he won't continue in this very hateful, evil, destructive behavior? I mean, you know, but I'm not surprised that it, of all places in the country, Country, Mississippi yeah. and their history the mm -hmm. fact that they only have 42 months mm -hmm. in prison mm -hmm. uh, or uh, 42 months in jail for the folks that uh, burn crosses on people's lawn mm -hmm. they have a long history not just in Mississippi but throughout the south different parts of the country but Mississippi in particular and speaking of Mississippi lawmakers have given up on creating a state control board for the troubled water system there in Jackson however they are considering proposals to appoint judges and expand a state run police department. The water system has been struggling for years and almost collapsed. You may remember back in August and September of last year. Now, the federal government has allocated millions of dollars for its improvement and appointed an experienced administrator to oversee it. Lawmakers are now focused on reducing crime in Jackson. This is ludicrous. This is this is apartheid in the making mm. in Mississippi. That is what's happening here. Uh, the fact that they are, are that the Republican governor mm -hmm. uh, and the Republican attorney general are appointing, you know, you know, white folks to serve on this separate court. Mm -hmm. Why we got to have a separate court? You know, why is the state court not enough? Mm -hmm. we, why do we have to have a separate court? Why do they have to expand the police department? So we have to have additional policing mm -hmm. uh, uh, in our neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Why us? What makes us so different in Jackson, which is 80% black? You just, I mean, you just hit the nail on the head there. And for me, this this really boils down to, you know, a quality of life. You, you know, you can't really, you know, separate these conversations because this is about, you know, humanity and a quality of life. You know, you want clean, fresh uh, water to, 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 to do your day-to-day -day activities in. You want to be, you know, protected and policed in a way that is not jury, uh, executioner, judge, yeah. executioner, mm -hmm. that doesn't terrorize neighborhoods and make uh, citizens feel uncomfortable. So this is about a quality of life. It's unfortunate that they're, you know, it's, it's based in racial uh, discrimination and a lot of racial overtones, but why, you know, the other folks feel as though blacks wouldn't want these this quality of life or, or shouldn't be treated or thought about in a humane kind of way um, is still beyond me. It, it, and it just shows that the fight that is still uh, that is still a part of our day to day. Yeah. And, and it's a setup because on one hand, the state, the state That's will good. not give uh, the mayor of Jackson, you know, the resources that needs. they've been asking for, right. right? You know, they'll, they'll trickle a little bit out here, a little mm -hmm. bit out there, and then say, oh, you know, you're not doing the job. Yeah. You know, therefore, we've got to take over control of, you know, the water plant. We've got to take uh, control over policing. You know, what is happening here should shock the conscience of every single person that's watching. And we are all uh, uh, Mississippians. Right. Don't think that what's happening in Jackson can't you. happen in Detroit mm -hmm. or Atlanta or, you know, any other place. Great. Uh, Jay Morant's suspension from the Memphis Grizzlies after posting a video of himself flashing a gun has resulted in PowerAid pulling their mm -hmm. ads featuring him. PowerAid has removed Morant's image from their website. Moran had recently signed a deal with PowerAid to lead their biggest marketing campaign. He has also faced other controversies, including two confrontations just last summer 
and allegations of his entourage pointing a gun at the Indiana Pacers after a game. I don't know uh, how he's going to be. Well, I, I, my hope is that he's able to rebound from all of this. We've seen plenty of our faves, if you will, of those popular kind of rebound, get with some PR people, you know, reel it in. Um, but the brandishing of the gun, uh, you partner that with some of the other reckless behavior and how a lot of folks have seen that team as being a little young and just out there, if you will. I, you do, how do you put the genie back in the bottle? And then with him being such an amazing player, I mean, he's like, one of the best right now in the NBA. Um, you know, how do you govern him? How do you how do you how do you bring him up so he can begin to better govern himself? Mm -hmm. He's 23. You know, I don't know. I'm just hoping the people around him are going to be able to get at him and, and straighten him up, whatever I, straightened up means. I don't know. Maybe he might need some new people around him to remind him that to whom much is given, much is required. But when you're making two hundred million dollars to whom much is given, much is required. <laughs> I understand required. that. And to whom much is given, much can be taken away. I understand that. Yes. Former NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick has opened up about his strained relationship with his adoptive parents, claiming that they were racist towards him while he was growing up. So he's got this new memoir. It's called Change the Game. Kaepernick detailed his experiences with his parents over his hairstyles, including his mother allegedly telling him that his cornrows made him look, quote, a little thug like a little thug. Now, the book also includes graphic details about Kaepernick's career in football from high school uh, to uh, the NFL. Kaepernick aims to raise awareness about problematic issues that can happen at home and address the racism uh, being perpetuated. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised about that anecdote mm -hmm. uh, that's in, in the memoir because yeah. it was also mentioned uh, in the Netflix film mm -hmm. uh, uh, about Colin Kaepernick's life. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there are, there are a lot of folks that, for example, go through the foster care system mm -hmm. uh, where they're matched with families that may not identify with them in terms of their racial identity, mm -hmm. right? And so it presents a, you know, a whole set of challenges. And I think you know, this memoir creates an opportunity you know, for us to think about how we can better care for kids um, that are a part of, of that system. Uh, but Colin Kaepernick has been, you know, a pretty open book, mm -hmm. uh, and he's he's been sharing a lot. And you know, for everybody that thought that, you know, uh, you know, because he's he hasn't returned to the field, that you know his life and career was over. You know, he keeps surprising us, and he keeps he producing content that is relevant, that is furthering the conversation. And I just have a lot of respect for him because, you know, he. Um, said what he said, and he's standing by his beliefs. Yeah, I wonder if this is going to bring back up the, the never-ending, really, conversation kind of goes up and down about, you know, foster care, adoption, and being adopted mm -hmm. by, you know, someone outside of uh, the culture. I mean, every child deserves and needs uh, a clean, warm, uh, safe, whatever the case may be, home environment. Um, and does that come into question as Kaepernick has brought up, when that child is of a different race or when that family is of a different race, it's it's a it's a tough conversation to have because you, you want safety and well-being of the child to come first. And if it's in a for a black child, if it's in a white family, then so be it. But culturally, how does that really affect yeah, that and child? It's, and it's tough because, you know, in the foster care system, a lot of black and brown youth mm -hmm. that are part of that system that mm -hmm. aren't adopted first. And That's so right. uh, we'll continue to keep our eyes out for what Colin Kaepernick has coming up next. But still ahead, it's Puff Puff Problems for one iconic rapper. We'll tell you who and why his company is being sued for weed smuggling. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report.
Welcome back to Foxhole's Black Report. Well, NAACP President and CEO Derek Johnson responded to President Biden's proposed fiscal year 2024 budget, emphasizing the need for action and investment in black communities. Yeah, Johnson praised the administration's proposed investments in health, environmental justice, education, and housing, but urged leaders to prioritize historically underfunded areas. He warned that cuts to education, social services, infrastructure, and housing would directly harm the black community. Additionally, Johnson called for increased funding to address police violence and environmental injustice and urged leaders to back their words with funding. That, that that's key right there. When I read that, back up what you say. Yeah. I mean, that's just GP. We say that in the hood, you know. You know, uh, money talks. And I said this the other week, and BS walks. I mean, it's great to propose all of these wonderful mm -hmm. ideas, policies, concepts, you know, and you know, uh, support these organizations. But if you do not also partner that with the resources, which is just the money, the mm -hmm. nickels and dimes uh, that are needed to really effectively execute, then what's the point? It, it ends up being this. Well, it's also important to note that this is a proposed budget, mm -hmm. right? And so ultimately it's going to be the Speaker of the House uh, gonna that's going to deliver uh, you know, the budget that we're going to have. Mm -hmm. But budgets are moral documents. You know, they are an indication of where people's values are. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it's a, it's a great stamp of approval that uh, the NAACP president has said this is a good budget, yeah. you know, but, but you know, show us the by money. the way, you know, let's not forget <laughs> about these really important That's areas right. to black folks. That's right. It's the largest banking failure since Washington Mutual's collapse during the 2008 financial crisis. The FDIC seizing Silicon Valley Bank on Friday after a record run on deposits, prompting concerns about the future of small and medium-sized banks. If a buyer doesn't emerge for Silicon Valley Bank, reports are federal reg regulators are considering protecting the bank's uninsured deposits. Regulators held an auction on Sunday, but so far there's no word on a potential deal. And you know, it's important to, to note, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert in banking, mm -hmm. although my mm -hmm. DC bestie uh, is a banker and was able to, you know, help Break me understand a little bit of this. Yeah. I think the big headline for us and for our soulmates is that uh, Sunday's, um, uh, you know, decision by the Fed um, is the most extensive government intervention since 2008 when we had the big financial crisis. Mm -hmm. um, you know, however, it is relatively limited compared to, you know, uh, what they did 15 years ago, mm -hmm. right? And so, yes, this was an issue, but, you know, the government showed up, you know, um, all of the guardrails in place kicked in, um, mm. and, and this hasn't become as widespread of an issue as it was in 2008. So that was my initial thought. I, 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 I would agree with that somewhat, but I think what also soulmates have to really think about is, do you, do you keep your money in the bank or do you put it back up under the mattress? I mean, is, is this system, as it continues to fail and crash, is it really something that can be trusted? I mean, I know you have credit unions maybe uh, as an option, but Wells Fargo, on, I think it was Friday, when those folks, you know, deposits, direct deposits didn't show up. And, and the best you got was an email saying, sorry, we're working on it. But that doesn't work when you got to go buy, you know, a gallon of milk and a, and a, and a dozen eggs. But so it's a, it's a, I don't know. But it's important I, you know, to know, you know, our, our money is insured up to $250,000, FDIC insured. Um, and, you know, the feds are making sure that the people that have their bank, their money in Silicon Valley Bank, you know, they're going to have access to their money. And yeah. so the key is going to be, you know, for cons customers to be able to trust it. 
to yeah. be able to trust it. Yeah. Well, the Arkansas Senate recently narrowly approved legislation aimed at ending affirmative action by state and local agencies, despite warnings that the move would threaten a host of programs ranging from health initiatives to support for historically black colleges. Mm. The bill approved by the majority Republican Senate prohibits discrimination or granting preferential treatment on the basis of race, sex, color, ethnicity, or national origin. The measure, which now heads to the majority GOP House for a vote, would also apply to public schools and institutions of higher education. Opponents of the measure said that the proposal, if enacted, could threaten dozens of state and local programs, including healthcare programs aimed at racial minorities and initiatives intended to help women entrepreneurs. How long we've been fighting about affirmative action? Forever and, and a day. And, and the effect Forever and a day. I, I remember, I want to say maybe grade school or junior high or high school, and, and that big fight and that big debate was going on. You know, is it going to work? Is it not going to work? Who is it for? Who is it not for? I think it's done definitely more. Um, it's been more helpful uh, than it has harmful. You know, one of my heroes, uh, Colin Powell, Colin Powell always talks about if it had not been for affirmative action. Action, he would have not been able to move uh, through that uh, very different and difficult system that he did to rise um, to, to, to where he got to the office that he achieved. Uh, I think it, it, it's, a, it's good more so than bad, and, uh, but I think it's also going to be, be debated for the ages. I don't think we're ever going to come to some common agreement of how effective or not effective or necessary or not necessary affirmative action is. And we're, just too, we're just too different in regards to who who's on one side of, versus the other. But you know what? When folks feel that we are, we're getting too far ahead, mm -hmm. uh, they want to pull too us too soon. Pull us you know, the, the, historically, they, there's always been yeah. a backlash. There's always been an effort mm -hmm. to sort of, you know, slow this thing down. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, back when we were getting admitted, you know, into medical schools mm -hmm. and law schools, mm -hmm. uh, they saw that the numbers of, mm -hmm. of, of black folks and folks of color and women yeah. uh, increased so rapidly, mm -hmm. you know, what did they want to do then? They wanted to get rid of affirmative action back yeah. then. So this is cyclical. Um, this will continue to happen. And, and this is just sort of the latest example of what uh, anti-blackness uh, can look like. The parents in South Carolina are, are suing the teacher, principal, school district, and state education officials after their ninth grader says she was stopped by a teacher for walking to class instead of reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. Marissa Barnwell said she was walking quietly to her class. She decided not to stop for the Pledge of Allegiance or a moment of silence that followed. A teacher yelled at her, confronted her, and pushed her up against a wall. Barnwell was then sent to the principal office, which she said was humili humiliating because she, she feared that she was in trouble. Now, the principal just sent her back to class, but Barwell said he never let her know that the teacher was wrong and that she was right. Now, one of the things I didn't know uh, until I read this story was there's a state law that they passed more than 30 years ago that mm -hmm. requires schools to play the Pledge of Allegiance at a specific time every single day, but the law prohibits punishing anyone who refuses to recite the pledge as long as they're not being disruptive mm -hmm. or infringing on others. And so it doesn't look like uh, this young woman, you know, was being disruptive or infringing on other people. Um, you know, according to the article, the school district has not quite responded with a public comment mm -hmm. uh, on this. Um, but based upon the law that's on the books, mm -hmm. it seems like it's on her side. Yeah, and I, I think they definitely have a case and they might need to holler at this teacher and see what the teacher's, you know, frame of mind 
mind is? Are they burnt out? Do they need a break? Because according to that video, it didn't look like she was in violation of anything. And of, of course, this is the law. Then she definitely uh, does have a, have a case. I remember those uh, three things used to be mandatory in my school and you would be in position to go ahead and, and execute that. But uh, maybe she was running a little bit late or maybe, you know, she was tied up some kind of way. But for this teacher to react the way that she did yeah. was a bit over the top. You better keep your hands yeah. off my girl. Yeah. You better yeah. keep your hands off my girl. I wouldn't have nowadays. it. I'd be mad too, and I'd be calling my lawyer too about her parents. Absolutely. Jay-Z's cannabis brand monogram is facing allegations of illegal transportation mm. of products from California to New York, despite the product being legal in both states. Additionally, Monogram is being accused of gender discrimination by a former vice president at the parent company. Kathy Clay filed a complaint alleging poor treatment and retaliation for reporting financial irregularities and violations of state cannabis regulations. The parent company denies the allegations and plans to defend itself strongly against the claims. Jay-Z has been involved in now several legal disputes this year. Oh, Jay-Z just catches it. I think this is high profileness of I just think, him and who he is so. and any product or, or brand associated with him. Listen, this is this is why this thing needs to be cleared up. I mean, you're legalizing, but a lot of people still aren't aware and still don't know whether it goes, you know, whether state to state, I don't know, city to city, municipality to municipality. You, you, you know, people are just not clear on when they can do it, how they can do it, where they can take it. And so as you continue to push for, for it to be, you know, legal and, and, and widely accepted, you've got to make these rules and regulations mm -hmm. clear so you don't get caught up in anything, anything like this. I mean, this is an example of why, why we need Congress to act, because mm -hmm. when Congress doesn't act, you have this patchwork of laws between states. And so from issues related to decriminalizing marijuana mm -hmm. to, you know, abortion rights to LGBTQ rights, you know, mm -hmm. when you have this hodgepodge of rules and regulations that apply, mm -hmm. uh, this is a part of what happens. And so even though, you know, Jay-Z is the target again, I'm not sure if he's the target for the right yeah, reasons. Yeah, I come from a generation where it was wrong. No, no, no. So I'm just scared of it, period. Mm. <laughs> Coming up, it's a tribute uh, in, in the making for Harriet Tubman. That's right. We'll tell you who's all uh, in. Uh, who's tapping in for this celebration of one of the nation's bravest civil rights icons, Harriet Tubman. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. We'll be right back. We welcome you back to Foxhills Black Report. The University of Rhode Island removed a partially modified Malcolm X quote from its main library 30 years after a student protest. That's right. The students protested to have it removed because they believe the shortened quote misrepresented the civil rights leader's message. Now, the full quote from the autobiography of Malcolm X was removed from the library because it had been shortened. School president Mark Parlange pledged to remove the quote at a 30-year reunion held by the 1992 protesters. Now, Malcolm X was assassinated in 1965 at the age of 39. I can see how, you know, the students protested because it was a very, very small, couple of lines from a very large uh, quote, and it really did not um, 
it did not give the full context, as we said in, in the story, of what Malcolm X was trying to say. And it, it spoke more to, you know, reading is fundamental than what he was really meaning in regards to, you know, if he was not out here, you know, fighting the man and fighting for rights, he'd have more time to divulge in reading and studying. Um, but this is what he's been, you know, tasked with as far as the discrimination and the things we go to. So, um, you know, big ups to those students for, for wanting that full thought to be represented and big ups to the school for seemingly uh, addressing that. Yeah, and context matters. It Con does. Context matters and, you know, how often have we taken, you know, sort of a quote out of context mm -hmm. or how often have we, you know, sanitized mm. uh, leaders who were, who were quite radical for That's their right. time. That's right. A new statue of abolitionist Harriet Tubman has been unveiled in Newark, New Jersey. The monument dubbed Shadow of a Face also includes audio by none other than Queen Latifah, who is a Newark native. Now, according to uh, reports, the audio includes stories about the Underground Railroad in which Tubman was a conductor, as well as a free, uh, as well as free black communities in Jersey. The monument, which uh, replaced the statue of Christopher Columbus, also contains a learning wall where curious minds can read about Tubman's life and her escape from slavery in 1849, Queen Latifah was also on hand for the ceremony. I hope that Monumental brings Harriet Tubman's resistance and integrity to people everywhere who really need to hear it. We want people to know, to feel, to understand what was at stake and how incredibly brave Harriet Tubman was. Two words, mm -hmm. resistance and integrity. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, what better words describe, you know, that transformative, you know, figure in our history. Uh, I thought it was, you know, great to have Queen Latifah there, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. a Newark native. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's so great that, that we're taking these hidden figures to some, not to all of us, mm -hmm. but some hidden figures to some, and we're making them more visible. And I just love seeing, you know, more images, you know, of our folks in the form of monuments and on quarters yeah. and fingers crossed on uh, a dollar bill and coming I might, soon. And I might add that that's how you do a statue. I mean, you know it's Harriet Tubman. There's no <laughs> question because we, we, we flip it back to the, the embrace and feeling. I know. I knew exactly where you, where just you still, were going. Where folks are still trying to figure that thing out. There's no question. We are talking about Harriet Tubman. There's no question. <laughs> this is who we're honoring. There's no question who that is. That embrace over in Philly, that still has me confused. <laughs> you still wound up about I that. I am. <laughs> okay, well, unwind. Okay, unwind. thank you. Here we go. In a historic first, three black women, Shalonda Young, director of the Office of Management and Budget, Cecilia Roos, head of the Council of Economic Advisors, and y'all know Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press Your secretary, <laughs> uh, recently led a briefing at the White House. Jean-Pierre stated, quotes, I do want to take a moment to note the historic nature of the moment that you are uh, seeing in front of you right now, all three of us are historic first in our roles, the first black woman to serve as the CEA chair, as the OMB director, and as the White House press secretary. While fielding questions from the media, the briefing included a wide range of subjects, including economic policies under the Biden administration, the still ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, 
and federal initiatives to address systemic racism and inequality. That's amazing. In, in honor of Women's History Month, the Career Mastered Women's History Diversity Summit and Awards honors business women who are role models. This initiative honors inspiring women's success stories. The awards will honor 95 women and a rising star youth this year and award scholarships to deserving youth. That's right. Dr. Elisa Lindsay Wicker, CEO and founder of Lynn Wick and Associates and Career Mastered Magazine, joins us today to discuss this initiative and how it's helping the next generation. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to have you, Doctor. Can you tell us more about Career Mastered Women's History Diversity Summit and Awards, how it's making an impact, and maybe some of the high-profile awards that you've awarded in the past years? Absolutely. Uh, we're in our ninth year. Uh, started this the establishment in Detroit. Uh, the Motor City in 2015. Mm -hmm. And since that time, we've honored over 300 women across more than 25 disciplines, women who are in the marketplace, compelling themselves to do business every day. They're extraordinary women that should have been recognized and we're recognizing them and celebrating them during Women's History Month. Well, uh, that is really just uh, amazing what you're doing and really just a major hat tip to you. Tell us what inspired you to create Excel Village, a nonprofit program to inspire and help youth with their future career planning? Well, my mother passed in 2015, which is the same year we started Career Mastered. And she was a woman of courage, integrity and hope. And for me, I knew that I had uh, the responsibility to give back from of those things that she had established within her five children, a divorced mother of, of five, and we'd all been able to be successful. So we started the uh, Career Mastered as well as the nonprofit arm, which we have given over $55,000 since her death to girls in the science, technology, engineering, and math uh, disciplines. Yeah, I know a little bit of your history and, and your rise uh, in the corporate 500 companies, in particular the, the uh, HR uh, discipline, if you will, and, and you were just a, a beast in that area. So with, with all of that history and experience and wisdom in mind, what advice do you have for young women and our soulmates who aspire to be leaders and make a difference in their community such as you have? Well, my philosophy is to use your capacity. You have 100% of that every day and leave none of that on the table. But while you're using that capacity, remember that you have the power to give back to others and that the walking journey that you have is essentially not just about you, it really should be about others. And then you'll get your reward. And, and tell us, how can people find out more about you and your work? How can people join the movement uh, that yes. you are creating? <laughs> Absolutely. Careermaster.com. And that's with an ED on master. Careermaster.com or drlisawicker.com. You can find us there. You can join the movement, join the membership. And we're, we're actually in Atlanta right now for the ninth conference. And we have over 200 women that will show up and have an opportunity to celebrate Women's History Month and the women that we're recognizing. Yeah, and talk a little bit, Dr. Wicker, about the women who, who you've recognized uh, over the years. I've had the pleasure of being a part of uh, the award ceremony in the Charlotte area, in the New, New York area, and you have had some powerhouses come uh, to, to, to the dinners and the luncheons and the conferences. It's been amazing. Yes, absolutely. Women like Governor uh, Gretchen from, Detroit, uh, from Michigan, mm -hmm. uh, Congresswoman Brenda uh, 
Lawrence, mm -hmm. uh, Congresswoman Alma Adams, Abby Phillips, the anchor from CNN, mm -hmm. uh, Rashida Jones, MS MSNBC um, president, uh, actress Denise Nicholas, uh, and uh, this year's uh, top honoree is Dr. Helen, Helene Gale, mm -hmm. uh, Spelman College. Yeah, amazing, amazing collection uh, of, of women and an amazing body of work. And we just want to thank you. We know you're on the road getting ready for your award ceremony this week, your conference. Uh, thank you so much for taking some time out and joining yes. us today. We appreciate and we you so much. And we miss you. I miss you we too. Miss you. No, I uh, know it. Pl uh, shameless plug, this is my mentor. Uh, <laughs> she's from Detroit, Michigan State. Oh, she's wonderful. a soar. We And we've been connected connected for a very long time and so I uh, love you and sorry I can't join you this year but you know you're my prayers and tell all those wonderful women we said hello. Thank you and thanks for having me. Indeed, yes. indeed. Take good care. Bye now. Black Her Story was made last night at the Oscars. Award winner Ruth E. Carter became the first black woman in history to win two, two Academy Awards. That's amazing. That's right. She took home the Oscar for her work on Black Panther Wakanda Forever, where she brought the vision of the Marvel world of Wakanda and uh, Tolokan to life on screen. She won her first Oscar mm -hmm. back in 2019 for leading costuming in the first Black Panther movie. In her speech, she uplifted black women and her mother, who recently died, asking the late Chadwick Boseman to look after her in heaven. What it I love a, about this, it was, it was a, a moment. It wasn't was, it a moment? And what I love about it is, usually these are the folks where their roles are so important, but they're kind of like in the background. They sit in the back of the auditorium. So when they do win, if it is televised, they're coming from all the way to the back or the balcony. But she, she's like an A-lister a now. And she's sitting in the front row, and you know who she is on the red carpet. Absolutely amazing. Just and, amazing. And, and so humble. I mean, I had a chance yeah. to meet her at Congressional Black Caucus mm -hmm. a few years ago, and she's just so approachable mm -hmm. and, um, Down to you earth. know, she is uh, um, a joy to be around. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, there were lots of other moments uh, at the Oscars last night. Well. Uh, including that moment when Jamie Lee Curtis, her name was called, won not her, Angela Bassett. Won her first Oscar. Right. So people were excited about that. A lady kind of supported her in the yeah. standing ovation. Yeah. And, and the queen didn't really, seems like she didn't feel that moment. I mean, it felt like her face got a little tight, and we, I think we could feel the disappointment mm -hmm. uh, from Angela Bassett. Mm -hmm. um, and disappointment, not just that she didn't win, you know, for uh, uh, Black Panther Wakanda mm -hmm. Forever, mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, look at her body of work, mm -hmm. you know. As I was, was driving in, I was thinking about, you know, Stella, and Bernadine, and yeah. Tina, and yeah. Dr. Betty Shabazz. Sure. I mean, you know, she has played some pretty bad sisters on the screen for a long period of time. She's been nominated for an Academy Award before. She didn't get it for Tina Turner. Mm -hmm. A lot of people thought she should have been nominated for Malcolm X. Um, uh, she is just such an incredible actress, and and for her to have not received that recognition from the Academy yeah. at this point in her career, I think we all felt that. I get it. You know, and 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 and, and no shade to to Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, she is you know a, a, a good actress in her own right. But I thought so many of us kind of felt like this was this was Angela's time. Um, it, you know, and and denial, de delay does not mean denial. That's so right. maybe this is just is just not her moment right now. Yeah. For whatever reason, it was Jamie Lee Curtis's yeah. moment. That's not to say that the Queen won't have her moment. Um, so I'm not going to read so much into what what it what I, it looked like what it looked like. But I'm just going to you know go with the disappointment because yeah. you were really anticipating that because. 
maybe she thought this was her moment. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are saying what they have to say, but you got to give it up to Jamie Lee Curtis, and you also yeah. got to give it up to, to Riri, who, who, you know, yeah. her song was nominated uh, and, and had a great performance. And that baby, show-stopping that baby, performance. Yeah, that baby is just cooking. A show-stopping performance. She got a standing ovation yeah, at did. the Oscars. She I mean, did. I mean, we're we're only. We're barely into March, mm -hmm. and this is Rihanna's year. <laughs> yes. She's got a second baby on the way. She had, you know, a dynamite uh, Super Bowl performance, yeah. and you know, standing ovation at the Oscars. And a man was there supporting her, and yeah. she's got billions in the bank, and uh, we're loving it. She's doing all she right. She looked fantastic. She looked she amazing. She really did. Yeah. All right. Well, up next, off the heels of Creed Three, Jonathan Majors is picking up another big ticket script. Yeah, he is. We'll tell you the iconic sports athlete he's expected to play when we return. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. <laughs> Welcome back to Foxhole's Black Report. Well, 26 years after his death, Biggie Small's legacy is celebrated in Brooklyn. Like forever, right? A mm -hmm. mosaic honoring the hip-hop legend was unveiled on Fulton Street, for those soulmates familiar with the area. Now, the artist who created the piece uh, calls it the face of Brooklyn. He says he put a mirror on the mosaic that reflects the block Biggie grew up on, and he's hoping anyone who walks by can see no matter where you come from, you can be successful. It's a nice nod it to uh, to Biggie Smalls. I uh, can't believe it's been 26 years already. He's yeah. 97. I was on the radio and that news broke and it was just like, really? And it was after Pac, I want to say. Yeah, uh, yeah. If I can remember correctly. And so those two big blows within that small amount of time, it was just devastating to hip. I don't know if, if the hip hop culture ever recovered. You know, we, we just kind of redirected and kept going. But no, of course not. It was, of course not. It was traumatic. It was traumatic mm -hmm. to, to you know, the way that Biggie was killed mm -hmm. and, you know, p killed, you know, uh, right after Pac, if mm -hmm. I remember correctly, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it just, the back-to-back -back trauma uh, uh, still continues to play out. You know, when Nipsey Hussle uh, was killed, mm -hmm. we couldn't help but think about, you know, how, you know, Biggie Smalls and Tupac were also taken from us, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, and to think that, you know, Biggie would be in his 50s if he was alive today. And it makes you wonder, like, what would he be doing? And, and you know, what kind of, you know, music would he be into? What kind of collaborations would he be doing? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, while, you know, we all continue to feel that loss, um, it's nice that there is an artifact that's uh, been uh, erected right where he grew up uh, to remind us of the spirit of Biggie Smalls. Sports fans have another project to get excited about. Creed Three actor Jonathan Majors will soon star as Dennis Rodman in the upcoming film 48 Hours in Vegas. Now, the story is inspired by Rodman's infamous trip to Vegas in the middle of the NBA Finals back in 1998. Rumors surrounding uh, uh, Major's new role began swirling as early as last year, but now it is confirmed, also confirmed, Rodman is set to executive produce 
the film. Now that's going to be really interesting. This is going to be very interesting. And I think, you know, Jonathan is ripe and ready. You know, that you, when you throw it back to that ebony cover where his clothing was very <laughs> gender neutral. You still I think trying to cool off from that, he, from that uh, ebony cover? I think he's ready. I think he's ready to, to portray Dennis Rodman. It'll be, you know, Rodman was pretty flamboyant and pretty out there. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and is the poster child for, for just all of that. Um, but I, I think that's a good, I think that's a good casting. I think that works. Yeah, I think Jonathan He's not Majors, as tall as Robin, but I think it works. I think Jonathan Majors is going to have a lot of fun with that yeah. role. And I think mm -hmm. it's, it's very different from some of the other roles that we've seen him play, mm -hmm. right? I mm -hmm. mean, you know, Dennis Rodman, to your point, is probably going to be the most flamboyant mm -hmm. character mm -hmm. uh, he's played on the screen. But mm -hmm. I just totally dig that, that Jonathan Majors you know, he's he's taking chances, he's right? He's you know, he is. And, and he's out there and, you know, he's playing different kind of roles and, mm -hmm. and um, um, he is really, I think, the future of, of, of Hollywood in so many ways. He is mm -hmm. such a talent mm -hmm. and also uh, easy on the eyes. Mm -hmm. Former supersonic Sean Kemp is out of jail after being accused of a drive-by shooting. The Pierce County prosecuting attorneys said that they were not filing charges, but police will keep investigating. Kemp's attorney says Kemp fired a gun in self-defense after he tracked his stolen cell phone to the Tacoma Mall on Wednesday. He called Kemp's actions reasonable and says previous reports of a drive-by shooting were false. Yeah, um, that's what hit the headlines. And we were like, oh, no, not Sean Kemp. We, we talked a little bit about how much of a bad boy he was on and off the court back in his day. Uh, a, a great uh, player. I, I'm hoping that this incident, you know, even though it may be justified, no charges filed, that it doesn't tarnish his push to bring uh, the Seattle Supersonics back to Seattle. He's been at the forefront of that push, uh, very well celebrated athlete yeah. in that area and really across the league. He was just one of those, talk about Rodman, he was just one of those original bad boys. You did not mess with Sean Kemp on or off that court. Well, let me just he say again, to whom much is given, much is expected, right? Mm -hmm. And why couldn't he just call the police, just report it to the police? You don't you don't have to turn your your your, your phone tracker on, you know, and get in your car and, and go out with a gun, you know, to, to find your stuff. I mean, I think that's when folks get into trouble. I mean, mm -hmm. it reminds me of, you you know, when O.J. Simpson's Heisman Trophy was stolen, and remember him and his him and his buddies went hunting hunting for the the Heisman yeah. Trophy, right? Like, just call the authorities, right? You know, you you have you have too much on the line, you have too much to lose, and so I think in know. some cases easier said than done. People's emotions get high, knee jerk reactions, and yes, you're going to deal with the consequences. Luckily for him, he he doesn't seem to be having to deal with any, but you know, people get caught up in it. Well, ho hopefully, has he has time. some friends that'll say friend. Don't you do it. Well, we'll have to see about that. Mm -hmm. All right, the queen of hip-hop soul, Mary J. Blige, is bringing her Strength of a Woman Festival back to Atlanta. It's a four-day event devoted to music, comedy, and female empowerment coming up in May with two nights of performances at the uh, State Farm Arena. Tickets are on sale now uh, on Ticketmaster. Get it, Mary. Get yeah. it, Mary. We see you, Mary. Folks are excited we about you, this. Mary. She announced it maybe last week it, sometime. She's got some great people <laughs> on the ticket with her. And Mary is just doing a myriad of, of yeah. things. You've got the wine. You've got the talk show. You've got this event that was brought back uh, because of demand, you know, her fan base and, and what the past events were, were able to do and how they were to, able to deposit into people's lives. And, you know, coming off this pandemic, all this craziness, your, your money's not safe in the bank. You know, you can't walk down the street 
people need uh, positive uh, influences and they need to tap into something that's going to feed them and their soul. And Mary is good at, very good at doing that. Yeah, and I think. And, very and, good at doing and that. And she's credible because Mary's done the work, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, for those of us who have been riding with Mary for a long time. A long time. Right? You know, we've seen Mary evolve as an artist, mm -hmm. you know, and we've seen her, you know, uh, evolve in terms of, um, you know, becoming mm -hmm. uh, uh, a woman that can very easily pass on sort of pearls of wisdom to other women mm -hmm. in a way that's relatable, in a way that, mm -hmm. that, that connects, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, this festival is like a one-stop shop for that. You get you get the music that you love from Mary, you know, you get some inspiration from hearing Mary's story mm -hmm. and being able to connect and be in community with other women. Uh, and so, you know, I'm here for it. Go Mary, go. MJB, <laughs> we, we love to see it. All right, music lovers, listen up. Snoop Dogg has brought the Death Row Records catalog back to streaming services. Mm. Uncle Snoop has promised via Twitter that he will bring the iconic rap catalog back to traditional streaming services and apps. Uh, well, well, Snoop stuck to his word. Over the weekend, the catalog was backed up and even includes the first time release of certain Jewel and Danny Boy works. Wow, and so, Danny Boy, uh, so those are my Chicago days, that's where he's from. You've heard him singing, you know, all the all the hooks in, in a lot of those uh, West Coast records. But let me tell you, you know, bringing back this catalog is amazing because mm -hmm. that music is just so timeless. But Snoop is also fostering, you know, careers of some great new up and coming artists. This young man's name slips my mind, but if you follow Snoop, you'll see Snoop has posted this young man and he's doing R&B soul, and, and this guy is a throwback to Marvin Gaye. He really reminds you mm -hmm. of Marvin Gaye. So Snoop is out there, you know, digging and discovering yeah. some great talent and bringing that to death row, so I'm excited and about also, that. And it's also a reminder of black ownership. When we mm -hmm. own mm -hmm. our stuff, mm -hmm. right, there's so much more that we can do. Mm -hmm. There's so many more people we can put on. Yep, still ahead, our favorite, Black Excellence is on the way, and we're featuring, featuring more Black Boy Joy. We love Black Boy Joy here. We'll tell you which school is giving young black boys their flowers right now. You're watching Foxhole's Black Report. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Soulmates. Wade Institute of Technology is an experiential college that offers black students the opportunity to create a specialized STEM program tailored to their interests and talents, and is currently recruiting students for the launch of its integrated engineering master's degree Ooh, program. That sounds really above me. The program uh, integrates engineering courses with classes in leadership and management with the goal to prepare graduates for broad-based management and leadership roles in technology. Now, the student-faculty collaborated program will include elements from aeronautics and astronomics, material uh, sciences, biomedical, computer, electrical, mechanical systems, and civil environmental engineering. My goodness. They are preparing these yeah. young men for the future uh, and you know we love it I mean I we, love the fact that the students and the faculty got together to 
specially designed this particular uh, program. And it's a program that you can finish a little quicker than, than most. And uh, they're also, uh, for those who are accepted into the program, paying for the first year of tuition free. So oh. these money, this money and these opportunities are out here. That's now. major, that's major. Mm -hmm. And speaking of opportunities, there are a lot of jobs in STEM. Mm -hmm. And so often we hear folks say, well, you know, we can't find, you know, black folks to fill these jobs, mm -hmm. right? You know, or, or they think, oh, technical jobs, oh, where's, where, where's the pipeline for that? Mm -hmm. Well, here it is, Indeed. here it is. And so everybody who's, who's watching this. And here's another yeah. one too. There's a, a new private school in Florida founded in 2018 by FAMU alumni that is honoring black boys and men at an annual community awards ceremony. That's right, Icon Prep has grown to educate approximately 800 students in Tampa and Jacksonville with a Cleveland, Ohio location opening this fall. Nearly 40% of the staff are African-American males providing students with exposure to strong role models and mentors. Yeah, the Sons of Suits Community Awards event celebrates the success of boys and men within the school who are making a difference in the uh, education, sports, community involvement, and entrepreneurship uh, areas. It's hosted by Brothers United Building Brothers Alliance, better known as Bubba, whose vision is to be an ongoing resource, providing effective programs and services for boys and men. And we were uh, talking about uh, these programs earlier and how this is all black excellence and if you want to know more about them for the full rundown on today's stories and more all that information you can access Fox Soul's video on demand on any of our partners uh, you can also download our Fox Soul app it is absolutely free and you can check out Fox Soul's Black Report anytime you want to and catch up on some episodes that's right that's yeah. right a lot of great stuff happening in our communities I'm Nicole Corte. I'm Courtney Hicks until next time soulmates stay lifted